Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 113. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Larry Glines. Larry is a black belt under Robert Drysdale, and he owns and operates the Fountain of Youth FOIA BJJ Academy, located in San Agustin, Florida. Larry talked about his transition from being a successful burnout businessman with his plumbing business to a jiu-jitsu academy owner in 2020. He also shared his early days in jiu-jitsu when I taught him back in 1999 and 2000 when I lived in Vegas. I had the opportunity to introduce Larry to jiu-jitsu. And my takeaway from the interview was when he talked about enjoying the process, which inspired me to title this episode, The Journey is the Reward. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Larry Glines. Larry is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and judo. He earned his black belt in jiu-jitsu under Robert Drysdale. He owns and operates the Fountain of Youth FOIA, BJJ Academy located in San Agustin, Florida. His academy focused on providing his students with a family-friendly atmosphere with core values of personal responsibility and respect. Larry is a father of five children and two grandchildren that brings a unique perspective to the ever-evolving and growing jiu-jitsu community. Larry, welcome to the podcast. Yes, my friend. It's great seeing you. Yes, Thank you for being here and for people who don't know, uh, I was Larry's first instructor over 20 years ago. And this yes. is awesome that we'll be able to have in this conversation and see that you, you've, I was able to plant the seed in a few people oh. in Vegas when I leave there and when I lived there in 99, 2000. And we're going to talk more about that. So Great. Yeah, I mean, let's just start with this. How did you find out about the program in, and did you know about jiu-jitsu back then in 99? I started teaching in Henderson, uh, Nevada, for people who don't know, in a rec center twice a week. And that's where, in nine, it was 99, right? Yes. Yeah. 99. Yeah. So, yeah, tell me more about it. Well, I was looking for something for my son and I, at the time he was five. Uh, now he's almost 27 and <laughs> yeah, I was looking, yeah, I was, I was looking for something for my son and I to do together. And, uh, we've been taking uh chest. We've been doing chess together, uh, over at the rec center, black mountain rec. And there was a flyer up 
And it was a flyer that you had actually put up mm -hmm. and it explained what jujitsu was because I really had no idea what jujitsu was. I had taken karate and kung fu when I was younger, but I only really knew, you know, Bruce Lee and stuff like that. And I heard of the Gracies, but I really did not know that much. And so I had seen the flyer that you had posted. It was really nice. You explained what jujitsu was and how it's been around a long time and the origins of it. And it was a uh, price was good. I saw the price and you said you had kid programs. So when I saw that, I told my wife, Hey, I want to try this with my son. What do you think? And so she said, yeah, let's, let's go. And so I can remember like it was yesterday, we walked in there over at the rec center. You had the mat set up in there and there was maybe like uh, 10 kids you had and they were running around. I was watching what you guys were doing and I was really, uh, really impressed and my son was excited. And so we signed up right after that with you. I met you, you were very kind, very nice. I thought, wow, I like this guy, you know, he just seemed very humble. And, uh, and so we joined up and, you know, ever and you really did plant that seed. And my son and I, my oldest son also was a black belt under mm -hmm. Robert Drysdale. And he also started with you. So you not only did you plant the seed yeah. with me, you planted the son my, uh, with my son also. So for sure. Very thankful. So how was the transition? So I went to Arizona in 2000. And then you, by that point, you already start going to John Lewis, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. You taught uh, at John sometimes. And, um, and uh, my son and I wanted to continue. We were really sad when you left because we'd gone so close to you in that short amount of time. Um, and, uh, you know, and I wanted to continue, even though we lived in Henderson, which is quite a ways away, I wanted to stay with, uh, we were under Novo and Yao. And, uh, and John was Novo and Yao. And so I, had, I think I talked to you about it. And I said, what do you think? Because there was other gyms around the area that were closer, but I feel like it was, you know, I felt like I wanted to stay with that, with the team because I was so happy and impressed mm -hmm. you know, learning from you. So we decided to start over at um, JSEC Jiu-Jitsu. It was over um, off the strip of Las Vegas by the casinos, which is quite a ways away. Henderson is outside of Las Vegas. As you remember, you used to mm -hmm. have to take that trip over to, yeah. to Henderson also. It was probably, what, a good 30, maybe 30 yeah. minute drive? 30 minutes, so. yeah. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes. So, but... Um, they had more classes there because at the rec center, I think you used to have what, two classes yes, a week? Tw yes, twice a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, twice a week. And so um, so I joined after you left and started with uh, John Lewis at JSEC. And, uh, and, uh, and I stayed with him for many years until he ended up leaving to, uh, to become an actor in, in, uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, there is, there is a... There's a quote that uh, when I grew up is, I think it's, some, it's something along these lines that I've shared in the podcast many times that if you're looking for a big opportunity, accept a big challenge. I, I feel that every time if you think about some of the biggest, everyone who's listening to probably some of the biggest challenges that have accepted in your life, most likely it, it generates some type of big opportunity out of it. Yes. And when I'm, the interesting thing with the Henderson uh rec center is well first when i came to the u.s i mean i i didn't have a job per se or, or anything just with my tourist visa uh, i didn't i didn't come to the u.s to teach at john's school john just opened the door for me and 
help me with a visa situation said i cannot hire you but we can look into possibly help you with the visa i'm like man that's that's perfect yeah. that's that's what that's what i needed so sometimes well this is back then i'm not saying that people should do it right now but like back then if i was in brazil waiting for an opportunity like well uh whenever they have an opportunity they call me and then i'll figure out that i go and right. it's the opposite it's just like i'll go and i guess i'll figure it out when when i get there which i don't know if it's the, the i don't know if it's the greatest idea i recommend it to people but I, maybe i think it was just too naive i don't know right um, but i the first well my 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 money was gone in a in a week the little bit that i brought just to get an apartment or, or whatever you know but um one thing that uh, open opportunities in about three to four weeks uh one of the kids instructors sean the purple belt. I don't know if you remember Sean. Sean Spees. Yes, yes. Yes. He was. His he wanted a break from teaching, you know. Uh, so he had one person for private classes and one in in the in the kids class. And that was like three weeks. I was there, and John was like, "Hey, this came out. Do you want him?" Like, dude, <laughs> I need <laughs> anything yeah. right now. And like two weeks after, someone uh, called John asking like uh from the rec center so like hey we heard about you we would like to implement jujitsu here do you have interest in teaching and then i was there and he said like uh wait one second and said like well i don't i'm not interested but i have someone that might do it and i'm like okay let's go and the money wasn't very good because rec center is always very low you know the price yes, and yes. stuff and then and plus the percentage they take it was very low but for me, like anything, it was just that opportunity that from yeah. there, you know, things start to to open up and other opportunities. Eventually, I got to uh, teach a few classes with John and uh, do uh, other jobs and stuff like that. But uh, the point is, sometimes we need to take some challenges and then just kind of like, all right, let's go for it. And, and we'll see, we'll figure it out because sometimes just waiting too much we end up, you know, just always waiting for that moment. That moment never happens. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's one thing I always, um, since the day I met you, you know, you seem very um, determined and very uh, ambitious, but then also very kind, you know. And um, so, you know, I know you had a vision on what you wanted, and I could see that in you that you that you had this vision. And, um, and so the moment I met you, I was like, okay, I, I, I like this person. I trust him because I think a lot of times, you know, you'll start, uh, something and especially if it's, if you're doing it with your son, especially something True. new, you want to be able to trust the person and feel comfortable. And I think the fact that, you know, I had never grappled before up to that point, and um, my son never had, obviously, because he's only five years old. But, you know, you made us feel comfortable right away. And I felt like almost, uh, you know, I know it's kind of odd to say, but I just felt like a connection to you. Mm -hmm. Like you were almost like family to me in a way. And um, and so when you did leave, it, it was it was it was definitely hard on us because it was a different environment, obviously, at JSEC than it was from what you had nurtured there, because we had a really good. You know, we had a very good program there. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of nice people there, you know, uh, and everyone loved you. The children all loved you there. Um, 
And I remember you had such a good rapport with the parents and everything else. Um, but because I loved jujitsu and I also loved you, um, I want, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop. You know, I didn't want to stop. Um, and so I was kind of searching wherever I went after that for what we had had that first, you know, that first year when we were there at the rec center. Cause I feel like it was really special. It really was, you know, you encouraged us you used to tell us all the time. I remember I was always worried about doing tournaments. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, you said, just go. We're going to go. You Don't did worry. The Pacifica, right? You yeah. Did the yeah. Pacifica. And I was so nervous. I had never been so nervous and you kept reassuring <laughs> me. Oh, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. It's a great experience. Uh, it'll be good for you. And I'd never done anything like that before where, you know, I put myself out there and especially to go all the way to California to do something like that. And I, we drove up with two other students. Yes. I um, remember. Yeah. Yeah. And we went up there and it was a great experience. It really was it was just being there as a team and having you there as my coach in my corner. And, uh, you know, uh, and so it, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. And it really, it really was able, it was, it helped me to, um, to face a lot of my fears, mm-hmm. a lot of my big fears that I had mm-hmm. and really just having you there in my corner and, and being there for me really helped tremendously. You know, it was for me, I was talking to someone yesterday that was visiting my, my school from Vegas. And I mentioned, yeah, I lived there, you know, 20 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying like 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. But it was a very tough decision for me to leave Vegas because at the same time, uh, my ex-wife, Simone, was already getting situated. We're finally, yes. but we're not doing well financially at all. You know what I mean? And when my son was born and then I'm like one month, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. This month I got some extra gig and I made two grand. Now this month I made 600 bucks. You know what I mean? It's like, man. (laughs) So that, so that was a very tough decision to live because I was surrounded by good people, you know, and I actually did like some, some, you know, it's just taste. People have different tastes in Vegas or whatever. But with me, I, I have no complaints about Vegas. It just happened that the situation that a, that I was financially, uh, wasn't able to do it. And, and one of the things I remember I, I mentioned to you, and I, I don't think I, I mentioned this in a podcast, so it would be a perfect moment to, to mention this, uh, uh, having you here, is two weeks, uh, that was exactly two weeks, three, I guess, before my son was born, um, that was summer in Vegas, so people who have been in Vegas or familiar with Vegas or Arizona uh, know that the summer is pretty brutal. We had to go do the prenatal stuff, get two buses to go, you know, yes, to the I hospital remember. and stuff. So it was a, uh, it was a little difficult, but anyway. And then I needed to to get a car, and of course I, I had an issue with a with a, a car situation before, and then I just I just had my bicycle. And then, I'm, man, I need to get a car with him. I mean, uh, about to, to born in, well, it was like two, three weeks. So we went to um, what is called an auction. They needed like a license to go into an auction or whatever. So we went there and I saved everything I had <clears throat> for God knows how long. It was 1200 bucks. That was everything I had. Yeah. And, and we got there. Um, I was like, oh, there's some nice cars there, you know, like they took care of it and then have the little sign and then the 1200 and they say 1250. I'm like, uh oh, you know, so, <laughs> oh no, 
so the the kind of better cars were kind of yeah. like going going and i'm like oh my god i can't believe i'm not gonna get a car and then and then you and then you said gustavo if you need up to a thousand dollars to put in a car you know i can i can help you and my pride went like to the roof right like no way you know i can't accept help you know like i was like no i can't i can't you know like right away it's just like i can't do that and things just got just kept going 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 you know and having less cars and then you said Gustav, if i couldn't do it i'll let you know that like, i can do it i'm 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 offering it because uh, i'm able you can make like monthly payments you know like uh for a year or whatever so i have to uh uh swallow my my pride and i was like i'm gonna have to accept so you helped me to get a plymouth acclaim it was 1800 bucks so you put 600 extra and and you told me no you can pay him in six months 100 bucks per month or whatever and i was so determined to get as soon as possible and i was able to get a 600 bucks in, in a month just doing extra work and asking for private yeah, classes yeah. and doing all that stuff and and i remember that i sent as soon as i opened for people who don't know uh, maybe listening for the first time i opened my school my own school in arizona march 6 2012 and I made sure that I, I sent some messages to people who I believe they're influential on my, my journey in US. And I sent one to you uh, thanking um, like at that moment, because maybe for you wasn't, you know, 600 bucks, but it's not something that, oh my God, 600. But for me, yeah. it was 600 bucks that I didn't have at all. Right, right. And, and that was able to, you know, when I had to take Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, take Simone to the hospital, I was like 4 a.m. I was going to have to get a cab. I have to do, you know what I mean? Right, right. Thing. So you, um, so I wanted to, to thank you for that, for like being, helping me during that part of the journey. And I think okay. the, the takeaway that I'm trying to, to give here to people too, it's maybe once in a while it doesn't hurt to send a message to someone that has helped you in a past out of the blue from yes. something now to let him know that you're grateful for for that moment maybe if it's for you it was just simple just like well it's okay you know sometimes you don't know the impact and i've done that before that i helped someone with 500 bucks but i'm like that's 500 bucks but that 500 bucks went a long way yes. you know and it meant a lot to me too, just so you know, not only when you sent me that in 2012, when you opened your gym, I mean, I had tears in my eyes when you, when you um, sent me that message, mm -hmm. it really did. It, it really touched me just so you know that I want you to be aware that that is the truth and, uh, and helping you out originally too. You don't realize, um, like you say, Oh, it's no big deal. No, but it wasn't. It meant a lot to me because like I told you, um, what you had done for me, what you had done for my family and 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 the gift you gave me with jujitsu um and and the love that i've had for it now for so long is yeah. you know i always tell everyone you know you were my first coach i respect you and i respect everything that you've done because um i saw the kind of person you were that's the thing is i saw the kind of person that you were and so the fact that it, and that was even more enduring and touching for me the fact that you were like no <laughs> I can't, I can't accept it. I was like, wow, man, this guy, he's, he's, he's such a good person. You know, I could tell right away. I was like, wow, this guy's a good, such a good person. Just the fact that, you know, you didn't want to accept it. Because, like you said, because of your pride, 
but but more than that it was like the fact that afterwards you kept telling me over and over again and i kept i remember telling you like stop you don't have to worry man it's okay six months one year whatever because i knew you had a young family i knew you were struggling i knew you were having to take the bus and do those things and it killed me that you had to do that you know because i did care about you and so the fact that you were like, I got to make this money as soon as possible. And you told me, don't worry. And then th that you actually did it afterwards. I was like, wow. I told my wife, because, you know, I've, I've lent money to people before. Mm -hmm. And I've never had anyone be that determined. And I knew, I said, oh, man, Gustavo's going to do very well in life, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. because of your values. You know, um, we adopt, you know, the good and not so good patterns of our parents, you know. Uh, sometimes we don't realize, but you know, that's what we do. And one with my mom, um, I got the good ones and well, it's like a bless in a curse in a way that like, yeah, I saw her work ethic and I saw her integrity and, yes. but at the same time, one thing that I got from her that in, in a way that it was good, but in other moments, my pride got in a way because she would, she was a single mom with raising two kids with no child support, and she refused help from others. So in my mind, me accepting something like that, it was just uh, unconsciously. It's not that I'm really thinking, but unconsciously, yeah. my mind is like, no, it's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I hear my mom uh, on the phone, you know, sometimes it's struggling, but it's like, no, I don't need anyone's help. No, I'll figure it out. You know, even though I'm far away, I was young, I was seven, eight, I would listen to that. And then like, I guess just, and it took many years for me to realize that my difficulty of accepting help. And I think everyone to a certain degree have the difficulty of like accepting help. Some people have more um, difficulty than others. I know that now uh, over the years, I got a lot better as I became more aware of right. how, how much that, would bother me to ask for help. And once in a while, and that's something that it's practice too, because once in a while I would get caught if I'm not in a situation that I need help. And then I think like, ah, I don't want to bother you. Know, I'm just going to stay here. And right. then I need to catch myself. Now it's okay to ask help when needed. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've had that problem too. Most of my life, you know, just like you same way. It's like, a, I think it's a pride thing. You know, we're taught, a young age but I've, I've gotten better as i've gotten older mm -hmm. where if i do need help you know with something um not always yeah yeah i think you've probably uh um evolved in that sense more than i have because i still have a hard time doing that yeah no i hear you yeah. and when i met you, you had a plumbing business how long did you have the plumbing business for uh 21 years wow 21 yeah. years so yeah, what made you uh kind of like you know what i'm done and then eventually we're going to talk more about your transition of teaching jujitsu but what yeah. made you put and just stop with that for doing for 20 years a successful business so what do you think yeah the biggest thing is is i just for probably the last i would say 10 years of my business i just wasn't happy mm -hmm. i just stopped being happy i just stopped i was really um i got to where i was just it seemed like everything was just about work Mm -hmm. You know, I was working long, long hours. Um, I wasn't able to do the things that I enjoyed doing. There was a few years to where, I, you know, I could maybe do jujitsu, which I was one of my loves that I enjoyed doing my outlets. And so I could only do it once a week, 
maybe sometimes, sometimes, you know, only a three or four times a month. And I would sit at work and I would just be miserable pretty much. I just didn't enjoy that life. But because I have, you know, I have five children, two of my young, my two youngest are adopted. We adopted um, two, two boys back uh, in the, what, 2000s. And so I was just overwhelmed, I think, more than anything else. Um, and, and I felt like I was just um, almost like a machine. I was just working, work, 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 and everything was just about work. And um, I think it was maybe about 11 years ago, I just completely had like almost like a breakdown, you would say. Mm -hmm, okay. I uh, got super depressed. Um, I started having panic attacks, which I thought was, um, I thought it was a heart attack at the time. And I lost a bunch of weight and, uh, and they kept checking my heart saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And finally, my doctor figured it out. Well, you're having panic attacks. Um, and it was just, it was just for about six months. I was just not myself anymore. I just didn't feel myself. And so they put me on um, antidepressants, which I didn't want to go on. I don't really like taking medication. They put me on antidepressants and uh, it helped. Uh, it helped me tremendously. Just to find, so I stopped having the panic attacks after I started. Once you go on antidepressants, you're pretty much stuck for the rest of your life. I still take them to this day. And um, it was just, a, it was a really dark time for me. Probably one of the darkest times of my life. Just in a really dark place. And I just was not happy with anything. So I told my, life, my wife at that time, well, we, we still have five kids. My kids all went to private school. I was very successful financially. But mentally... Even physically at that time, I was not. I was very broken at that time. And so I told my wife, I, I think I need to make a drastic change. We need to do, we need to, and I just needed something to hold on to. So I told my wife at that time, let's have a plan to where, you know, I can get out of this business. Let's leave Las Vegas because Las Vegas is very, um, a bit, very busy city, very fast paced. And I told my wife, I need something different in my life. I just can't keep going down this road. And so that's when we made a plan at that point afterwards uh, that, um, you know, I wanted to move to a smaller city and eventually pursue my dream of jujitsu because I love jujitsu so much. I saw the transformation it made in myself, my family, others. And uh, what and belt so, were you around that time? Huh? What belt were you around that time when you're about to make this decision? Um, at that time, I think I was a purple. Okay. Purple belt. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just, it was just a time that I, I don't know. You come at a crossroads sometimes in your life, yeah. you know, and it was that time where it's like you reevaluate everything, you know, your relationships, everything else. Um, and, uh, and how and old, also, and uh, how old are you around that time? I was, uh, probably late thirties. Okay. At the time mm -hmm. I was late thirties around early forties, probably. And, uh, and so my wife said, yeah, you know, let's do it. It's going to be hard, you know, leaving everything, leaving all our friends, family, everything else mm -hmm. and doing something new with something that I was very successful at. But at that point, I started in my mind, at least gave me something that I could grasp onto mm -hmm. and feel like, okay. And so I told my wife, now I'm going to get determined. I'm going to really start getting back into jujitsu. 
Uh, Rob Drysdale had recently moved back from Brazil and was teaching around town. I think at that time around that he was teaching at Couture's. He hadn't opened his gym yet with Michelle. He was, with Mich- uh, mm-hmm. I think at that time with Michelle Nicolini, they were mm-hmm. married and, they, and I heard they were going to be opening their own gym. So I told my wife, I really want to pursue this. You know, I've been doing this over, I think at that time around 10, 10 years. And I really want to dedicate and start going and making the time every day and not just working to, you know, get my black belt. That was like my goal. So that was my goal. And then also my goal was to move from Las Vegas and open my own academy. And how long did that process take from the moment that you made a decision to actually move to Florida? Uh, It took probably uh, about four to five years from that point. Nice. Yeah, so there was some time, but, you know, there was a lot of things that we had to put in place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kids, you know, it was hard on them because they had their friends um, and, you know, and all that. And then uh, so we started looking around different places in the country. Originally, we thought about moving to Colorado. My wife didn't like the cold there. Mm -hmm. It's way too cold for her in the winters. Yeah. And so her parents had moved to Florida. So we would come and visit them. We're like, well, the weather seems nice here. And that's when we finally decided, hey, well, that would be a good place. Her parents are here. At least we have her parents. And, uh, and that's when we decided that we would, we would move. And we really started moving towards um, finding someone to run my business for me, which someone did for a few years until I shut it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that's when I really started going to jiu-jitsu, you know, once or twice a day. During that time, started getting happier, getting healthy again, started putting on weight. Even though I still am on the antidepressants, which I still have to take to this day, um, because it's really hard to get off them once you're on them, mm-hmm. um, I'm still happy that I had had them for that time to get me through that really bad time that I had. Very, it, very dark time. And you mentioned that you you start teaching in Vegas too, right? Uh, Randy yes. Couture's. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I started teaching. Um, I was doing kids classes, and one thing I found too. And I'm sure you found this too. It's a lot different being a coach and a teacher than from training jujitsu. For sure. It's like totally different work, two totally different worlds. And so when I started concentrating more on coaching and teaching, I started getting such joy from it. You know, joy from people like um, telling me afterwards, like, oh, wow, thank you, coach. Or, and they were calling me coach. And it, you know, I've been a boss before, but being a coach is, is different. It's like people really look up to you, yeah. especially children. And I was helping with the kids' class, like I told you. And the kids get so excited. They're they're so, um, you know, kids, they just have this this uh, joy, you know, that a lot of, I think, adults lose, you know, when they turn, you know, probably teenage years. And seeing that really reinvigorated me, got me excited. And I told my wife, I think, you know, this is really what I want to do. What of my life? I want to, I want to, you know, and you were, you were an example that I had and always had you as my example. It's like, you know, I want like how Gustavo was, you know, he's kind, he's, he, he pushes people, um, but he's not militant. And he's, uh, and so I always thought, well, that's the path I want to take. Right on. So if you have to say, especially all these years training jiu-jitsu, how do you feel jiu-jitsu relate to life? Well, for me, life has always been a struggle, always been a struggle, very hard. I've had a bit, you know, I had a really, really, very hard childhood. Did you grow up in Vegas? No, I grew up in New Mexico. Mm, okay. Very, yeah, from very dysfunctional. It was very dysfunctional backgrounds. Um, you know, I didn't really have a dad around in my, my, uh, 
you know, my mom had a lot of mental issues. And so it was very, very hard, very hard. I had a very hard childhood. So when I moved to Las Vegas, I had absolutely nothing. I mean, zero, no support, no nothing, anything, just no money. And the, the, what gave me purpose in my life is when I, when I met my wife, I was doing plumbing at the time. I was, uh, I think I just turned 22 when I met my wife. I was doing plumbing at her friend's house. And she, uh, I saw her there and, you know, we've been together ever since almost uh, going on 30 years now. Wow. And so she gave me purpose. She gave me a reason when we started my family, I worked hard as a plumber and, and then I was able to start my own business. And I think that that's why, you know, when I saw you, I saw almost like a kindred spirit, you know, and I saw someone that uh, could relate to me, you know, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, life has always been a struggle for, so jujitsu definitely is a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a struggle, but I've always got so much joy in the struggle and the ups and downs, you know, a lot of ups and downs physically and mentally. And it always, I always felt when I was in jujitsu, it's weird. It's like, I'm sure you felt the same thing, but when I was doing jujitsu, I was, um, training jujitsu, even though it was difficult and hard, I always felt like a feeling of, of joy when I was done. I always felt like like um, a feeling almost like with my own family. It's like, I felt like, like purpose, mm-hmm. you know, I felt clarity and I was able to focus, you know, and not think about my childhood or any of those things and not think about those things. I could just focus on what's at hand, you know, move or whatever. And, and so that time I would have, I wouldn't have the racing thoughts. I wouldn't have, you know, cause I've, the only thing that I found since you know meeting my wife and all that the only thing i I, it was almost like an addiction work was like an addiction for me Hmm. you can have many addictions in life absolutely and work became an addiction for me Mm -hmm. i hear you my way out you know when i moved to vegas nothing i mean i was poor i had six hundred dollars when i moved to las vegas and it went quick when i moved Mm -hmm. there and but i felt like well if i have my wife i have my kids i have everything i need and so it was just from that day forward, I just kept pushing, 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 pushing and wanted to be show my wife that I could I could be the man that she needed. You know, beautiful. Yeah. Being a it's fine. I'm we're recording this and I always like to give the dates, too. So we're recording this in November 2020, the year of the pandemic. Sometimes people might be listening to this 10 years from now. So I know that this is, this is the time. Uh, I, I struggle for especially the time, my, the last two decades of my life with dealing with being a workaholic. And I always had a very hard time to turning it off because same thing. I just, that's what I saw my mom doing. That's what you supposed to do. And now uh, I'm 46 and I feel that the past couple of years, especially I think this year actually has been really good for me. A lot of reflection with, uh, with the pandemic, but like taking my foot off the gas for, you know, a little bit, you know, I've been, I feel that I've been doing less over the years, but I think the past two, I started to calm down. And I think this year, um, I'm always like, what's next? And I'm moving and I'm moving and I'm moving and I need to occupy my day all day, nonstop. So I feel that 
I'm doing a lot better with that. What, what about you? How you feel right now? Do you still have the urge of work or you feel like a lot more controlled now regarding to being a workaholic? Um, it's still an issue for me. Mm-hmm. It's still a big issue for me. Um, uh, and, and this year especially has been very hard for me because of the pandemic. You know, we were shut down for, I don't know how long you were shut down for, but my academy was shut down for two months. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, it was a good time for reflection for me, mm-hmm. but I felt restless. I felt very restless during that time. Um, and again, like I said, because of, I think a lot of times my addiction, like I said, is my work and it helps me not think about things. So the reflection part is hard for me, for sure. Um, you know, it, 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 it's almost weird how even at, you know, at my age, um, it's like you, you, you can see patterns almost mm-hmm. in your life. Yep. And I want to, I truly do. And I tell my wife, I want to slow down. But she tells me all the time, you don't. It's like the minute I wake up, I'm always, I got something. And it's always like you said, the next thing. The next thing I want to do this, I want to do that. And, um, but, um, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping as I get older that I can, you know, be more reflective and spend more time relaxing. I have a real hard time relaxing. Mm-hmm. Like I always feel like I just have this energy in me and I have to expend it anyway, whether it be jujitsu business, um, it probably wasn't the best idea that I had, the best plan, but I opened up a, a second academy mm, okay. in Jacksonville, uh, probably about a year ago. Okay. Um, brought a brought someone from Brazil, a friend of Rob Drysdale's, uh, and he came to help me teach. Mm-hmm. And uh, how far are you from Jacksonville? Uh, how far are you from there driving? What's that? Sorry. How far are you from driving to uh, Jacksonville? It's about 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, not too bad. Okay. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay, and how did that go? How is that going? Yeah. It didn't go well. Yeah. It's still open, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we, when right after we first opened, we were able to build up to maybe about 18 to 20 students, but then mm-hmm. the pandemic hit, and, and Jacksonville, was shut down a lot worse than St. Augustine was, mm-hmm. a lot more restrictive. And so it's been slow building back yeah. over in Jacksonville. Um, and uh, and even here in St. Augustine, I, my goal was always to hit 100 students. That was, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that number with my head was like, I got mm-hmm. to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, back in February, I finally did. I hit January, February, I hit 100 students. Uh, and when the pandemic came, we were at about 119 students, but we lost half our students in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the students said, Hey, we want to continue to pay coach. Probably about half said, we want to continue to pay. We don't want to stay on it. And I'm very appreciative of them because if it wasn't for them, I probably would be completely mm-hmm. shut down yeah. and never would have been able to reopen in order just to pay my rent and everything else. The other half, you know, and I understand with this pandemic, people are worried. And so I've called a lot of them back and they yeah. said, we're going to wait till there's a vaccine. A lot of people are not ready. Yeah. Yeah. They're not ready. Or they say, do you wear masks in class? And I said, it's really hard to wear a mask. I tried it. It's, just, it, it's, yeah. it's very hard to wear masks while doing grappling. Yeah. A little easier with Muay Thai because we have a Muay Thai program my wife teaches. 
Um, it's a little easier with Muay Thai. So some of the students do wear masks for Muay Thai, but it's very hard to breathe with the mask on while grappling. Yeah, there's no way. And yeah. you're that close touching and the, the, the mask is all wet and sweaty. I mean, it's not, <laughs> there's, there's no way, you know, uh, but yeah, anyway. So I see like some on Facebook, on social media where people like I see in the class, they'll all have masks on. And again, like I said, I tried it, but it is very, very difficult to do grappling with, with masks. And so a lot of people, because the fact that we don't wear masks, because I say it's just yeah. really hard to do, a lot of people haven't come back. So I'm praying that once this vaccine comes next year, all, you know, everybody will come back and we'll get back to the numbers that we had back in January of this year. Yeah. And this is a very delicate topic because a lot of people, you know, have it the the country so divided yes uh, with this but when sometimes we, we're having new students that come in and, and they're asking about you know same thing with the mask and if it's safe i said you know listen if you're concerned like really concerned about that i don't think i don't think you should train because if you're going to do jujitsu at the moment that you walk in in the building you understand that you're putting yourself at risk of, I mean, you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, you know, any any moment can happen, especially jujitsu. So uh, the mask, it, this is just Gustavo's opinion. I just don't think yeah. you, you're grappling someone, the, the mask is going to really do anything for you. There's no way, you know? And so it's more like uh, whoever is really you know, open and understanding that, anything can can happen and i've been so lucky in arizona that we had as soon as the have a first shutdown they had a second shutdown uh the first shutdown had one person that was a uh, that was a bartender that had a you know uh, that test positive and that was it and since we came back for many months we haven't had one uh, and we asked people to be very vocal about it of course so let us know yeah. And we limited the amount of people in class and stuff. And since when do you reopen July into now November? Um, we haven't had any case. Mm -hmm. Then anyone was training. So we're just lucky that that happened. Oh, but I know God. that yeah. but uh there's a chance of happening anytime soon. I mean, the thing is around, but we gotta move on, right? And if someone has someone at, at risk at home of course you know like whatever they do for a living and people just need to make the best judgment and it is what it is you need to move on now let me ask you from your experience with uh, your plumbing business what what are some of the key points that if that you feel that you you brought to running the jiu-jitsu school running this business that helped you um well, one thing is just um, between the two, I mean, obviously being able to lead people is really important. Mm -hmm. Like leading my crews with plumbing. Um, now, the, the, the difference I found though with, um, obviously when you have students as opposed to having an employee, the employee, you're paying them for the service for them to provide whatever mm -hmm. you hire them for. With students, it took me a little while to figure that out, that it's like students are paying you mm -hmm. for a service. 
And especially, I think, more with American culture, maybe than maybe with Brazilian culture. It's maybe a different way. Mm -hmm. But with American culture, it's like, okay, we're, you're providing a service and we want a service from you. And we want you to provide that service. And so your approach has to be a little different than when you're, when you're leading um, students as opposed to leading an employee. <laughs> and so it took me about a year, I'd say a year and a half to figure that out. I lost some students along the way just because maybe my approach wasn't the right approach mm -hmm. them. Cause I, you know, I was thinking that uh, I could be the same type of leader I was as, as being in construction, but construction guys are a little rough around the edges more than, you know, the average person that's going to come into a martial arts Academy and especially you're dealing with parents. So that was, um, yeah. uh, you know, very uh, difficult at first for me having to not only figure out, cause I had taught before at other academies, but I wasn't the owner of the Academy. When you're the owner of the academy, there's other expectations that the parent has for their child. Yeah. And so I really had to figure that out um, uh, with with them because here, especially in Florida, people are really big into like uh, football, soccer, and they have seasons. And so um, people would come in and they want their kid to become proficient in jiu-jitsu in a short amount of time mm -hmm. but as you know with jiu-jitsu it takes a really long time yeah it's something that's more like you and it's hard to convince people especially vegas is a lot more well versed in martial arts and mma and stuff like that but here it's very uh oriented towards football it's oriented and so it's like you have to educate them on it's not just a sport it's not just a sport and so you can't just bring them in and they're off season between football and soccer you have to it's something that has to be cultivated over time and so what i found with a lot of the parents it's like the kids would leave for three months and then come back after they were done with football and it was like they were starting from scratch again yeah and then other kids would have stripes and they would be upset and then so they would lose interest and then they would not feel like they wanted to be part of it anymore and so what i've had to do now i think what i figured out is i have to educate right off the bat i have to educate parents on, on what martial arts is, what the training is, and it has to be cultivated. It's more a lifestyle than just a sport. It's not just a sport. It's not something, it's something that takes a lot of time. You can't just, I can't just, because I know there's other martial arts where, you know, I'll talk to a parent sometimes and they'll go, oh, I have a friend and their, their kid did Taekwondo for a year or two years and they're black belts. And mm -hmm. I said, no, that jujitsu is not that way. Mm -hmm. It took me, 15 years to get a black belt. It took me 15 years of just going out there every day. And so, and I'm not saying it'll take your child that long, but there's no black belt for a child. And so people kind of, yeah, they don't understand that. And I've had a lot of problems with that initially, but I'm learning. I've gotten better at educating people on, on martial arts and the meaning of martial arts and things that they need to read and educate themselves so that I can have a good kids program. Where people stay and don't just do it in the off season for three months or two months or whatever. And I don't know if you had that same problem in Arizona. But. Yeah, no, it it does happen with seasons too. You know, it definitely for sure for sports that uh, some of the parents would like to explore other other sports. Yeah, definitely uh, happen. I don't know, maybe in the same level in Florida, but it, it definitely happens. So you mentioned about 
because I want to ask you about some of the biggest struggles that you have uh, encountered in running the school and what did you learn from it? So we talk about, you know, the students, the parents, what are something that maybe other struggles that you maybe still going, well, let's say even pre-COVID, right? Because right now it's, everyone is struggling to some some degree. What are yes. some of the lessons that if you got to you along the way, why had the school? What do you think? Well, some of the biggest lessons, I think, um, going back to, um, like I said, with the parents, it's like, um, I think initially, because I came from a lot of different types of schools, you know, I trained with you and for that short time, but then I went to John Lewis's school and um, one thing that I had to change was the intensity of my classes. Mm -hmm. That's what I've had to change. And I didn't so much want to water down jujitsu. I didn't want to water it down to where it becomes not jujitsu anymore. But what I've had to do, especially with the kids program, is initially I, I was, I was um, teaching a very intense uh, jujitsu. Um, That's what you saw. I mean. That's what I saw and experienced. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, almost like a Shark Tank thing. Like yeah. at John Lewis's school, that's the way it is. They just kind of throw <laughs> yeah. you in and just you survive. Yeah. And so, um, and even at Rob's school, Rob has a very, really great school. But when I initially first started there, that's Rob's gotten better. Mm -hmm. And he's learned, you <laughs> know, having his school too. Yeah. You lose so many people because you yeah. take this guy off the street. And you just throw him in there and expect him to survive. And most people aren't going to want to do that. They don't want to mm -hmm. go through that, you know, yes. uh, the injuries and everything else. And so what I've tried to do is tone down my classes, especially this year during COVID. I've really learned a lot through this. I've had to reevaluate the way I teach and the way I coach. And what I've been seeing is people are happier. Mm -hmm. Their experience they're enjoying it a lot more um, instead of rolling for, you know, 30 minutes, you know, five, six minute rounds over and over again. You know, I sometimes I'll say, okay, guys, today we're just going to have fun. We're just going to do this or whatever. And so I've noticed that the enjoyment has gotten better. And I think that's a big part of it too, because I noticed when I initially started with that grind, people weren't enjoying it. They kind of were losing their enjoyment. Even people that lasted with me, they were they lost their love for it. It was more like just like this grind, and it's like. But people have so many responsibilities in life with kids, yeah, yeah, with their wife, with their business, and so to come in there and then now you've got this hour and a half grind. So that's my biggest thing that I think that I've learned and I've noticed that I think if I go forward with this new plan that I have for 2021 after COVID, I think that. I'll be able to retain a lot more people and not lose so many people. And the people I see that left the Academy, I'll see them and, and they'll be like, ah, oh, sorry, coach. It's just too hard on my body. Mm -hmm. I have a job. I have a wife. I have kids. And that's generally what I hear. That's why they say they can't. And I understand. Yeah. I understand because um, it is, I don't want jujitsu to be where it's like, Oh, some it's, it, it's like, where it's not enjoyment anymore for you, mm -hmm. where it's not something that you enjoy and love. And I never want my students to lose that. Yeah, I for people, um, probably people involved with jujitsu, they know the name Fabio Gurgel. He's the uh, the head of Alliance team, 
And he used a, a term that I find very interesting. I saw training jiu-jitsu in 1989, right? So 90s were the, the crazy years of jiu-jitsu in a way. So he likes to call the people who still practice jiu-jitsu to this day, and they start in the 90s, the survivors. You know what I mean? <laughs> because <laughs> go, if you survive the, the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, it, which was just... Um, he, he talks about this, like, how many students have all the academies kicked out uh, involuntary, like, unconsciously, just with the intensity. And people yes. are like, dude, that's not for me. Like, dude, there's no way. There's no intro class. You just, here's the ocean. Here are the sharks. You just jump in the water. You swim with them. You know, that's basically yes. what that is. You don't wash your gi. You know, it's pretty I mean, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. In Brazil in the nineties, was just like it's one of those like only the strong would survive. You don't have academies like with I don't know, at least my experience with like hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, people that are like, all right, you're down to really grind and you know, so with like elimination process of like, no, there's too much out next, out next. Yes. And and you had the experience to um live that too through you know, like JSEC was uh like the most intense school in in Vegas back then, you know, there are not that oh, many sure. schools, but that was the that was the the best school in in a valley, and Your school, yeah, and especially with you know in the MMA background, you know, and the whole thing, and Andre coming from Brazil, implementing what he's doing in Brazil there, yes. So that means what you saw, like, well, I guess that's how you run jujitsu class, you know what I mean, and then how exactly. you push it. So, and I've done the same too. I'll, I'll do, uh, at the beginning, I would, I, over the years, I start to uh, lighten up a little bit too, but it's starting to maybe get special classes to a possible like competition class that you can push people like whoever, okay, you coming into this competition class, you understand that intensity is going to be different, right? Okay, you, right. you choose. So, things like that. So, now it's definitely a lot. Um, in a way, lighter, but we can push it, you know, and, and knowing who to push to. You know, there's some people exactly. that can be like, hey, let's get an extra round. Hey, come here. Hey, do another one here. So kind of kind of pick and choose to, like, of, of how to push and so forth. But, yes, uh, definitely people who were able to hang with the 90s, early 2000s are definitely the, the survivors in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, for sure. And then another thing, too, I found is with competitions. That's another been an issue in the past. Like, I think I pushed too hard initially with competitions. And um, some people just don't want to compete. And that's yeah. okay. You know, not everybody needs to compete and get out there. It's very nerve wracking. Um, I think it's good just because I started, like I said, with you, where you encouraged um you encouraged everyone. I remember like, guys, it's really important because you came from that background. Mm -hmm. So initially starting with you and learning your way, which was you, you know, and you were competing a lot back then. Mm -hmm. You were competing a lot back then. I mean, I think you were doing through nineties uh, and 2000, you were doing competitions all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to follow you where I found now it's like, I, I don't try to push people. I mentioned like, Hey, we got tournaments coming up. But I also know, too, a lot of people just don't want to. They just want the, to have the experience of coming in and doing jiu-jitsu and going through it, even if they take some 20 or 30 years to get their black belt. 
they just want they just want to be part of it mm-hmm. more and so um and and like you said looking at the people that want to be competitive and knowing that and not trying to push that on everybody yes yeah i definitely have a a different approach and every year definitely i'll refine a little more of how introduce to tournaments to people and i've mentioned here in the podcast many times i i believe in the power of competition for personal growth you know like i i believe that how much you get to learn about yourself and under pressure situation yeah. dealing with the anxiety and that isn't the main reason why i want people to compete get a medal sweet yeah that's cool but i'm saying the the experience that you have or the process of getting ready the focus and dealing with your emotions man that's that's where it's at you know like the the growth that that you yes. get so um do people and for for the people who have listened to all my episodes here may sound like a broken record but i mentioned that you don't need you definitely don't need competitions to take advantage of this tool called jiu-jitsu. You don't, you know, right. this is fact. You, you definitely don't need competition because everything that you're doing in class or that feeling comfortable and uncomfortable situations, is not normal. You never train anything. Now someone's cross-facing you and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yes. And not panic. You know what I mean? And I tell this in class every day with the, the fundamentals class. We only do specifics in my fundamentals class. I don't do full sparring. So we do like, okay, start from side mount, try to get back or like, okay, try to pass. We just, you know, so it's more yes, introduction yes. to full, to full rounds. And I tell people like someone's in a side mount, I want you to breathe. I want you to keep your arm in, chill, relax for a little bit, all that. So what happened with the competition is, is the same thing. It's just the, the tournament, it's an amplifier of all the benefits that jujitsu have. Like yes, when someone passes your guard at the school, it's like, oh, that kind of sucks. But when in a tournament, like, oh crap, <laughs> the guy passed my guard. You know, so everything gets amplified and that means the growth gets amplified as well. So that's why uh, I try to, and there is a certain way to air quotation push, you know, of uh, people. You kind of see the vibe. I always kind of throw it out there like, hey, if you want to have any interest, ever have any interest, talk with me. You know, the advanced class, that's where to talk more about, you know, start talking more about points and stuff. But the fundamentals and our self-defense class, I just kind of like, I don't, I don't talk as much about competition, but little by little people start asking, hey, tell me more about it. Hey, what is this about? And also, little by little, uh, I'll get into this and... And now I'm getting a group that is being curious again, you know, to see like how that right, is right. and why I should do it. So I go little by little and, and as people start doing, they started to uh, share with other students how the experience was and stuff like that. And, and they see, they, I feel that they can feel the growth after a tournament that, you know, even if you want like, Oh, I want to win again. But when you lose it, like, Man, I think I can do better. No, I want to do. I want to do it again. I think I want to prepare myself right. better. Yes, so, yes. So it's been pretty cool right now, having a lot of beginners like really asking them, like, "Well, we don't have a lot of turns going on right now. There's some, but people are kind of be more curious about it. So um, I like that, and and I like for them to have that have that experience, that life experience that the competition is. And matter of fact, you. And you're still competing. You're competing at the Master Worlds coming up next month, right? 
Yes. So what's your motivation for, still, you know, to still compete? Well, again, it's back to that uh, drive that I always feel like I have to have, always looking for the next thing. I, you know, I, um, I like challenging myself. I like having new challenges. I did the um, Pan Ams when it came up. I saw it. I was so excited. It gave me something to, again, to hold on to. So when I saw that, I was so happy. And how old are you and now? 50. 50. There we go. So all the... The 50 boys out there, you know, you're not too old, right? <laughs> yes, and I'm so excited, too, um, this this year now that I turn 50 because I'm going to be going to Master 5. Mm -hmm. One of my dreams, this has always been a dream of mine, is to compete against Megaton. Mm. He is one of uh, guys, I've never met him mm -hmm. personally, but I've always admired his, he, he's like someone that I always try to not so much emulate in jiu-jitsu but someone that i admire An inspiration yeah it, he, yeah he's a big inspiration for me because he's older but he still is that like he goes out there and even if he loses he's always gives his all 100 percent, always gives his all and so i i that's always been my dream and so now my dreams should be coming soon next <laughs> year 2021 just to to uh, be able to compete with him because in my mind he's like a, a legend you know megaton again like i said i don't know him i don't personally know him i don't know him as a person i only know when i watch mm -hmm. i've watched him for so long and i was like wow man look at this guy like this guy is like he goes just like he's like a teenager like he fights like he's a teenager he has this still this drive because i see as people get older especially now that i'm getting older you see people they start slowing down as they get yeah. older and it, that terrifies me like it absolutely ter <laughs> terrifies me. <laughs> I want to still be vital and strong and vigorous, and I want to I want to compete. Um, and um, like I said, winning is, is is great too. I love winning, but more importantly, just I feel like I'm winning just just getting there, yeah. making weight, and going through the process still at my age after 20 years of competing. Um, and uh, and so yeah, that's what really pushes me you know is just having like something in my mind it's just like i'm thinking about megaton right now like next year i'm already yeah. like i get nervous just thinking about <laughs> stepping on the mat with him because i've heard that he's like an animal on the mat and so yeah. i'm like okay hopefully you got it he's probably in a transition to get into pretty soon to master six maybe he's maybe he might be getting close to that transition Maybe in a year, maybe next year or two. I don't know. It might be getting close. But yeah, man, he's a guy that I don't know what exactly in IBJJF, how they determined like Hall of Fame or whatever. But this is a guy that it, it should be in Hall of Fame oh, because sure. um, he, what he has done so far since 1996, when the very first adult worlds, he has competed in every edition of the the worlds and the black belt division you know since 1996 so of course no no one would be ever ever be able to do anything like that you know period but him be able and he still put his name in the adult divisions and on some of the smaller events so he can get points to qualify himself you know go there and and compete to be part of the adult worlds and even though, you know, I don't know how old he is right now, maybe 54, 55. But yeah, a lot of the youngsters, if they don't watch it, oh yeah, they will, they can get caught big time. You know what I mean? If oh they, yeah. Yeah. 
So that's they, an inspiration to me seeing that, you know. So no one goes with him like, oh, it's okay. So another like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like you better watch, you know what I mean? Otherwise, you're gonna end up end up tapping. So um, back to your uh, to your business. What did you say? What is one advice that you like to give to the younger, a few younger, a few years younger, Larry, when you open the school that you could you could give him a little advice, had a conversation with him. What advice would you give to him? Um, just to uh, enjoy yourself, you know, enjoy the uh, the process. Um, because any time you start something new, again, like I had told you before, when I uh, when I uh, was was training jujitsu, it's a lot different than running a school. It's a lot different than running at the school. So what I would say is just enjoy the process. You're going to make some mistakes, learn from those mistakes, and get better. And so that's that would be what I would tell myself, because there was a lot of frustration, because I I thought I was gonna because I became successful very quickly with my construction company. Mm-hmm. Right away I started getting contracts, and for whatever reason it was just a great time in Las Vegas. I started building my business and started getting a lot of employees and being very successful. Jiu-jitsu, running a jiu-jitsu academy has been a lot more difficult, a lot more difficult. Yeah, and as, yeah, especially as it grows, you know, you're just going to keep growing more and more yeah. as people become more aware. So the competition as far as business too exactly. is definitely, you know, it's bigger. Let me ask you this: What are some of the biggest lessons that you get that you got from competition that you that applies in your life? What is a lesson that comes in in your mind? Never, I, you know, in anything that I've ever done, whatever it is, competition is it. It makes you feel um, what I what I've gotten from it is it makes you feel like completely alive. Like the whole process, everything. I just love the process. I love the process of training before. I love cutting weight. Not, and I can't cut a lot of weight at my age anymore. I usually mm-hmm. just stay pretty steady year round, around 175. But um, just staying on weight, eating right, it, just, it sharpens my mind. So if I start feeling dull during the year, I know I need to do a competition. Um, and so it just it makes me hyper-focused. Uh, and having goals for me is really important. And so even if it's Pan Am's four months from now, just knowing it's in my mind, it keeps me, get, gets me out of bed, um, especially at my age, 50 years doing construction for, for uh, almost 30 years, and then now jiu-jitsu for 21 years. You know, a lot of um, injuries. I'm sure you have lots of injuries too. A lot of hip injuries, knee injuries, neck injuries, every other kind of injury that you can imagine. And, and, um, and it gets me up out of bed, you know, it gets me going, gets me, I'm excited. When I wake up in the morning, I jump out of bed and I go, ah, I got Pan Ams. Mm-hmm. There's going to be great guys there, phenomenal guys there. And so I know these guys are training. And so that keeps me going. It keeps me focused. And so I think that's what I've gotten. It's just, uh, it helps me to be focused um, and not just think about business or not think about my family. It's just, it's, I'm thinking about that. So it's a it's a relief for me, I guess you could say, because I am addicted to work. Uh, so it's like it 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 um, gives me the opportunity to um, think about just that, and not think about everything else. 
so when I think about competitions uh, for me and thinking about the enjoying the process and and as you mentioned how um, sometimes you get frustrated not getting the results that uh, that you want you know because you got some success before and that's what competition taught me that things don't always happen the way you want the time that you want you know it's just like oh, but I trained so hard well other people didn't train you know what I mean like you know other people are not running their business you know it's just things not always happen you know the way you want the time that you want and and that actually gives me some comfort in a way of acceptance that it is what it is, you know, like I wish it was a different way, but it's not, you know, so if not, we just keep dwelling and then like, oh man, but this and that and a pity party. And so it's just like, you know, it is what it is. I think acceptance, it's a very, how can I say, underestimated word, you know, you know, not, ex not acceptance of like, oh man, defeat, not, not that, but except like, it is what it is, you know, that guy, that guy won, it is what it is, you know, or, or even the situation with COVID, which is awful right now, I wish it was different, but this is what it's happening right now, except that this is what it's happening right now. What's the best that we can do with this? Well, I think what I found out is even with that process, like I said, I love the process. It's not so much even like, uh, you know, and I, and I hate sit telling people, oh, it's not important to win because I, I enjoy winning. Don't get me wrong. But it's like the, the process, I just, it keeps me motivated and um, the results aren't always what you want, but that's the way life is. But I can enjoy the, you know, the uh, journey. And that's what I really try to focus on as I get older is enjoying the journey more. It's like uh, um, back in uh, March when they shut us down for two months, I thought, well, what am I going to do? I need to fill my time. So I decided, well, I've always wanted to learn how to surf. I, I want to learn how to surf. And so I started going out like every day, like, just every single day, like just surfing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I started going, taking my board out every day and just feel my frustrations with COVID and just put it out there in the water. And it was just, and so a lot of the guys were out there that I met, surfers, and if it wasn't a good day of catching waves, they were really upset. And I thought, but we're out mm -hmm. here on the water. We're looking at the sunrise. We're looking at the uh, sunset or whatever, and it's beautiful. But they're not enjoying it because all they're thinking about mm -hmm. is catching the wave. And so I think that a lot of times it translates over even to jiu-jitsu. Same, same philosophy and the same mentality. It's like these guys are upset. Oh, you're, there's no good waves out there today. There's no point going out. And I'm like why still I'm still going to go out and I'm still going to enjoy going out there in the water and seeing the sun and seeing the dolphins or whatever else but they don't even notice the dolphins and uh it's the same thing like even with jiu-jitsu I'll see guys with tournaments they don't get the result they want they'll dwell on it for a month or two months and they'll talk about it it's like yeah but we enjoyed the process we were in here training together we were enjoying each other's company we drove up together we were laughing but you forgot all about yeah. that because of that one moment where some guy beat you two to three or they'll talk about an advantage point for, you know, <laughs> four weeks afterwards. And it's like, just it's let's move on to the next, you know, let's let's find another tournament and let's try our best and we get out there and give 100 percent. And uh, that's why a lot of times when I've gone out on tournaments, like I'll be going against someone that is uh, that I've admired for a long time. Like uh, I went against a few uh, years ago, a guy named Toko. 
name is Toko, and he's um, mm-hmm. a cyborgs yeah. coach. And I was just so happy just to be on the mat with him. And probably I gave him more respect than you need uh-huh. for a competition. You should be like, ah, you know. But I was just so excited, like, wow, this guy has, like, been around teaching. He's been, you know, around forever. And just the fact that I was on the mat, I was happy. I was like, okay, this is great. And still in my mind, I say, wow, that was a great experience that I got to go get someone that's been in jiu-jitsu, been a black belt forever. And, and so I try to look at it from a different perspective than just going out there and saying, oh, okay, I beat this guy. Wow. Look, guys, I have this medal. And I'm not saying, again, that that's not important because it is. But if you don't enjoy the process or the moment, then you really lose something. Just like I said with surfing, when I saw these surfers or catching waves, they're having a horrible time and they're leaving upset when you're sitting there looking at a sunrise or you're looking at dolphins jump or whatever else. It's like, you know, you enjoy yes. the moment. That's what I really try to nice. do with jujitsu. Now we're getting close to the end of the interview. And I know that uh, I like to ask what is going on. What are you excited about? So exciting to have the masters uh, world coming up for the 2020 and what else? Yes. What you got? My uh, daughter Layla is about ready to have a baby soon. Wow. So I'm have another, Congratulations. Be my third grandchild. Man. I hope someday I very much pray that you come to Florida. I can spend time with you. Yes. It's going to happen. We can catch up, like really catch up and talk and enjoy each other's company. And um, catch up on old times and I'd like to hear more about your life and Jonathan and your new wife. I haven't even met your new wife. Yeah. Cool. And just those things. We almost met in Hawaii. It was so close. Yeah, I know. You remember? Yeah. yeah. I went for my uh, 27th or 6th anniversary to Hawaii. You just happened to be over there. I just uh, saw you. Seminar. Yeah, you check in somewhere. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you here? <laughs> Yeah. And so I thought, oh, man, I get to see Gustavo. And, and but then it did happen that it was something happened. You were yeah. teaching or something. And so I'm hoping someday you can come and we can spend, you know, some days together, go out to the beach, go for a walk, drink coffee, eat for out sure. together. Awesome. Yeah. Man, great conversation. Great to catch up with you and really appreciate your friendship and um I don't have too many people in U.S. that I can say that I met 20 years ago, you know, in the beginning of Jiu-Jitsu or when I arrived here. You know, uh, I do have some or even students, but like from Vegas, uh, very, very, very few, you know. So right. I, I appreciate him and your, your time and chatting here on the podcast. Love you, man. Yeah, love you too, Larry. And for all the listeners, I see you all soon. Who's... We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.